Good morning. Even got my timer on there. It really is cool to cool to be. It's it's actually such a daunting thing this uh, to come and preach to you. Like a grant says, hey, can you do 30 minutes? I'm like, yeah, for sure, in the SMS. But inside my heart, I'm like, ah, oh, really, Grant? Are you sure? But, but um, it's an absolute joy. I never want to be the guy that says no. I want to play a team. I want to get there and be the guy that says yes, even if it means stretching me myself. And uh, I want to be a blessing. I want to add value to whatever, whatever it is that we do together. And I, would, I would do, really do want to encourage you if you're kind of on the outskirts of what God is doing with us as, a, as NCMI, partnering churches, relating churches, all that sort of thing, please understand this thing works relationally. If you do nothing, nothing's going to happen to you. It's like, you know the guys in your church? And you say to them, hey, listen, guys, you know, it's like community, so you need to press in. Kind of, it's not, you get community as much as you sow into community. It's exactly the same here. It's like this is relational. If, it, if it's any other way, it becomes structural, it becomes functional, and it loses the heart of God so quickly. But then if it's, it stays relational, God puts together who he wants to put together for the sake of his kingdom and for the sake of the churches we're all in. So I really do want to encourage you around those things. Uh, so saying that, I'm in the park on Tuesday saying, God, what is it for this morning? And I've wanted to preach a preach, this preach that I'm talking to you for a long time. In fact, I want to do a series on it, but I just haven't done it. And I felt God say, speak, speak to the church, speak to the pastors about friendship. And the kind of friendship I'm talking about is not the friendship, it's not partnership. Partnership is a form of friendship. I mean, Jesus had, it seems, different categories. He had Peter, James, and John that he took with him everywhere. And they weren't great friends. He's about to go to the cross and he's crying out to God. And he's saying, please, will you pray for me, guys? He goes there and they're dosing, they're sleeping. He does that three times every time they're sleeping. And I'm talking about friendship. Jesus And Jesus had these, it seems like Peter, James, and John were those guys. But he had friends. And I think pastors do friends very badly. I really do. Um... I've tried, to, I've tried to, in my own life, build friends. Not just, uh, C.S. Lewis says this. Let me tell you what I'm speaking about here. He says this in, in, the, in his book on four loves. He says, cooperation in function is companionship, not friendship. It is a matrix for friendship from which friendship can grow, but it isn't friendship. So when we're functioning together, that's not the friendship I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kind of friends that you have where you can't have that many in your life because being a good friend, being a biblical friend is a lifetime commitment. And the friends we want, we need to be, come. So the kind of friends we would like to have, we need to be those kinds of friends to others. And I want to talk about that kind of friendship. Jesus says this in John chapter 15 verse 12. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down one's life for, for one's friends. So Jesus is talking about friendship here. You are my friends if you do what I command. 
I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know what his master's business is. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I've learned from the Father, I've made known to you. So you're starting to see the kind of friend that Jesus is talking about. The kind of friends that Jesus would like us to have, would like to be to us and is to us. Jesus is the greatest friend we can have. In fact, so he doesn't call us service, he calls us friends. He says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. So Jesus kind of gets down to this thing called friendship and then begins to talk about what it is it's kind of it's a friend is not somebody on the outside of somebody's life they're on the inside it's not I don't call you servant because a servant doesn't know what's going on inside of me doesn't know what's going on in the father's heart but a friend does when I when a friend invites you in you begin to understand their heart you begin to understand what their needs are and begin to walk with him God walked with Adam in the cool of the day walking with God was that's a friendship term so God had this relationship with Adam and Eve where he was friends with them. Now, I do understand that God is not just a friend. He is Lord, he's king, he's all those things. But one of the things that the Bible uses in this relationship that we have with him is friendship. Pastors are not good at friends. My observation the reason is, apologies, don't worry, you're not the only one that hasn't got friends, Donnie, it's okay. <laughs> the reason is this is that we're difficult to be friends with. And I understand that because I'm one of those guys. Our time is short, our availability is short, and of course we're on about the kingdom, so what can be more important than that than having friends? Must be. We, we kind of got this big project that we're going. So understand we're difficult to be friends with. Some things we can't talk about. So it's, we're difficult people to be friends with. So, but nevertheless, we should be modeling friendship, friends, in my view. We should be modeling friendship with God. We should be modeling friendship with each other. And that is good for the church to see. But wanna, I want to also say that's good for us to have. We need friends, friend, people, friends. We need friends, proper biblical friends. I want to look a little bit at what that actually means, what biblical friendship looks like. Four simple things. Just to kind of try and package that because that's kind of got to be the friends that we need to be. These are the kinds of friends we need to be if we want those kinds of friends. And my prayer is this, that by, after this provoking of you around friendship, you would evaluate our own lives and say, God, do I have friends? I want to iterate again. I'm not talking about functional friends. We go to the nations together. Yes, that's fantastic. But do you have friends of the order of these things that I'm going to talk about? Because if we say no, I think we are being unhealthy, just to put it out there. I don't think we are living in the friendship with God and the friendship with each other that God intends us to have. And I trust that that provokes us and stirs us and asks God, asks us some questions of our own lives and our own relationships. So, the first thing that a biblical friend is this, is it's consistent. 
consistency. The Bible says this in Proverbs, a lot, lots, lots in Proverbs and friendship. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. My point again, it says that those who has unreliable friends comes to ruin. I want to say those that have no friends are quicker to ruin. This is an important subject. And as I've traveled into different contexts, I've realized guys haven't got friends. And it does worry me enough, and I thought, Lord, do I have friends? And so what I do, just I'm getting sidetracked already now, twice a year we have weekends away with friends. Literally friends. They are, they are mates. They are two, um, three of them are in the church. One of them is not in the church We've kind of known them forever and they're friends. We just go and have fun together. We talk, we can be, in one moment you can be absolutely laughing your head off and the next minute you can be crying. Those sorts of friends. One minute you can be talking about Jesus, the next minute you can be talking absolute rubbish and you think, God, how can you be in the same place? You know those sort of kinds of moments that you have with friends. But it talks here about an unreliable friend soon comes to ruin but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And the, the thing that it's talking about there is that just because you've got a biological connection, it doesn't mean that your family's going to be there in adversity. It doesn't mean your family's going to be faithful in adversity. You can be miles across in the other world and another part of the world even, and they can't be there for you in your adversity. My question is this. Have we got people that are closer than a brother that can be there for us in adversity? When the chips are down, who do you call? And you know what we often do, friends, is we put that onto the team. Now, there is friendship on the team. Of course, yes, it's relational. But Grant can only have so many friends, close friends personally, and he can have only so many relationships beyond that in the kind of next circle of friends. So we can't get miffed when, we, when the chips are down. Grant, where are you? Yeah, yeah of, of course, yes. Grant's there. He's that guy. My question to us, though, is who are our friends when the chips are down in our personal lives? Not just our ministry lives. Do we have friends? Proverbs 17, verse 17 says this. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Have we got somebody that will love us at all times? Even when we're behaving badly. Have we got somebody that is born for adversity alongside us? We have, I have a number, one of those friends are Paul and Beth Spooner to us. We came into eldership together. We had our kids together. And I know this. If I'm in trouble, Paul will be there. Not because he's on eldership with me, because he's my friend. Have we got friends? Are we building friendships? A friend is there. He's consistent. A friend is there when you need them. A friend is not somebody that where you the means to the end. 
He's not your friend because you lead the church. That's not a friend. A friend, a church is, a friend is there for you, not for what he can get out of you. And then what happens is that I've seen this over and over again. And then the leadership of the church's hands is, is handed over and that guy's discarded. And then suddenly I'm leading the church and now everybody wants to be my friend. I'm thinking, this is fake. My question is, have we got friends? Not functional friends, not ministry friends. They might be all of those things, but friends. A friend that will not let you come to ruin. I'll talk more about that now. The second thing, so one is a consistent friend, somebody that's there. The second thing is a careful friend. Proverbs chapter 25 verse 20 says this, like one who takes away a garment on a cold day or like vinegar poured on a wound is the one who sings songs to a heavy heart. What it's saying there is it's, 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 a, it's somebody that is inappropriate with where you're at. See, a careful friend knows who you are and knows who they are. And so when, when we're in our friendship together, he knows when you're grieving, you don't start doing something inappropriate, singing songs to a heavy heart. This is somebody that's kind of in, that's got into a connection with you that, that knows your heart that knows where you're at, that's kind of got this emotional awareness and sensitivity to you as well. He says, if you, if you, if you kind of do something in the wrong time, in the wrong manner, actually they're not, they stop being a blessing to you, they stop being a friend to you. Just when you're going through tough times, if you've, whatever, the, and we go through all sorts of tough times, in the church, out the church, in life, with our kids, we need our friends around us. A moment where you can just let your guard drop and just be friends. You're not the leader of the church. I'm not the leader of the church when I'm with my friends, when we have those moments. There are other moments where I am the leader of the church and friends, my friends are at church, but there are moments where I'm not the leader. I'm not in control. I'm not making the decisions. We are just friends. Do we have those kinds of friends? Proverbs 27 verse 14 says, If anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. Get up in the morning and start clanging. It's five o'clock in the morning. Clang, clang, clang. Neighbors are not that happy. Can I tell you this? A friend knows what's appropriate at the right time so that they can be that for you and then you can be that for them. Do we have friends? I think Jesus had friends. They weren't great friends. I think Jesus was a better friend to them than what he was, they were to him. But he had friends. When we're engaging our friends, I've, I don't know where I learned this from, but I don't know if it was Rory or Chris or Dudley or I don't know. They said four things when, to be a good friend. Because you're going to see now, so part of friendship is being honest with each other. So you've got about to talk into each other's lives. But they spoke about this, talking about being a careful friend. Is when we, 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 we under, we've got to understand our motive with our friends. Four things, motive, moment, message, and manner. So when we're talking with our mates, we've got to be, kind of be sensitive to the fact, well, why am, I, why am I engaging you around this thing? Well, why am I being honest with you around this thing? Because is it because of jealousy? Is it, or is it actually because I love you? Motive. Manner, the way you do it. 
We can either be clanging in the morning and be insensitive or we can be aware of actually what's going down at the manner and then the message. I think this is any kind of engagement with, with people. The message, what is the message? The tone of the words, the, the, the words that you choose. The motive, the message, the manner, and of course the moment when we do these things. See, friends understand that. So when your friend talks, you listen. Because he, this guy's not saying that because... He's got some weird moment, a motive. He's saying this because he loves you. And you love him. Do we have friends like this? So consistent friends, careful friends. The third thing is this, honest friends. Proverbs 27 verse 5 to 6 says this. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Enemies will kiss you like Judas did Jesus. But friends have an ability, when the moment is right, the manner is right, the motive is right, what's it, motive, manner, moment, message is right, to be able to talk into your life and help you. They're able friends that can be honest with you. Friends that are not scared of you because you're the leader of the church. Friends that actually just see you as one of them. Do we have friends, friends? See, wounds from a friend are better than the kisses of an enemy, that proverb says. And when, a send, when, a, when a words that are hurtful to hear, but are also hurtful to say, are hard to say, it's like, oh man, I don't know how you're going to take this. See, if, you've got no, if we've got nobody in our lives, because what happens is we have partnerships and then guys come into the church, but they, it takes years to find out who you actually are. But who, who does know who you are? And God puts us together and kind of stretches us into these relationships. I've absolutely loved being part of this partnership again for the last few years. It's, been, it's absolutely amazed me. It's enthralled me. I love, whole, I've been to two hole in the walls. The relationships you know what's so amazing about this group of churches or this family of churches? We're so ordinary. It's, it's phenomenal. It's like just us. And God's using us profoundly. But friends, I want to ask us, have you got friends? As ministers of the gospel that understand a friendship with Jesus, do we have friends? So somebody that can be honest with you, that doesn't hide the truth from you, Proverbs 29.5 says, A man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. Friends, if, people are, if we've got the kind of people in our lives that only are flattering us, we, it's you create a net, you're creating a trap for your feet. It's unhealthy, it's unhelpful. Proverbs 28.23 says, Whoever rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with his tongue. The amazing thing, it's actually so counterintuitive because when you're able to have conversations and honest conversations, things that are hard to hear but also hard to say because this is my friend and I, and I don't want to hurt them, it works the other way. You actually forge friendship like that. You think you're going to destroy friendship by not saying anything, but actually you forge it. 
That's what this scripture says. An honest friend. Have we got honest friends in our lives? And then number four are wise friends. Wise friends. Proverbs 27 verse 9. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. You see, a friend, a friend is somebody that you can bounce things off of. And this is where it's difficult for, for, for pastors because there's some things you can't bounce off because it's confidentiality things and, and what's going down in the church and all these sorts of things. But, but I think we've still got to have some friends that we can talk to and ask advice about, advice from. Wise friends. Friend that can hold confidence. A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. A wise friend that you can talk to about anything and you know that that's going to stay there with you and they're going to process that with you and they're going to journey that with you and they're going to walk that with you. Friends that betray your confidence, friends, are not friends. Because the reason why people betray confidence is they're trying to get something out of what they know to others, which means you're not the most important thing. The information is. They want to know that I know something that nobody else does. True friends can keep confidence. Because it's not about the information, it's about the heart of your friend. Proverbs 27, 17 says this, As iron sharpens iron, so person sharpen, one person sharpens another. One of the books that I'm reading on friendship um, is, talks, talks about constructive clashes. Have we got friends that we can have constructive clashes with? Constructive clashes. And you know what happens as well is we kind of, we can look at that text, iron sharpens iron, and you kind of think, that that only happens one way. You kind of think, well, it's a big meeting and a big punch and a big conversation. Iron sharpens iron not just in the intentional big moment where you have to say something to somebody. Iron sharpens iron happens when you're in the presence of somebody. You see how they treat their wife. You, you see how they, and they, they're learning, you're learning, and you're, kind of, you're sharpening each other without even knowing it because by example, you're leading. So there's the intentional moments of, of sharpening. There's the, the examples of it. It's just in life, in the conversations, in normal conversation where you're just speaking and you don't know that it's a sharpening thing you're saying, but somehow people are getting sharpened. We need those sorts of friends. Friends that can have the big conversation, but friends we can do life with, wise friends. Have we got some wise friends in our corner? You know, friends, now friends, and countrymen, and ministers, and pastors. I love this. One of the guys talks about fans, foes, and friends. Fans are fickle. One minute you're the best preacher around. That was an absolutely awesome word, but it wasn't because it was a good word. It was just a good word for them because it was what they wanted to hear. It was their thing. Fans, fans don't last. Jesus found that out. Make him king. No, crucify him in the next breath. Then we have foes, we, and we kind of, foe, fans are, listen, fans are better than foes, you know, let's be honest, but, but foes, foes, foes can be destructive. And because of foes, 
And because of friends maybe that have turned into foes, what happens as pastors is we back off from friendship. And we make a vow, we say we're never going to let that happen to us again. And then we lose the joy and the wonder and the health that true friends bring into our lives. Somebody said this, I don't even know, I've cut and pasted a chat. It says, when we can then become disenchanted with friendship in general and discourage that things can really get sorry, and discourage that things can really get any better. As a result, we wall ourselves off from an area of life that God intends, to, intends us to cultivate for his glory. Uh, Beth Spooner said this amazing thing at our leadership time. She said this, in offense, offense is. As soon as we have offense, friends, we put up offense. And the worst thing that we can do as pastors and leaders is to have fences that, where we cannot build friendships of these wise, honest, careful, consistent people that God wants to put in our lives. Don't let offense stop you from, or don't let a bad friendship. Some, one of the guys said this. It's quite a powerful thing. He said, he said, it's actually harder, sometimes it's harder to lose a friend than to bury a friend. Quite a thing, eh? Because it's so painful. Because you see, a true friend is on the inside. And when something goes wrong, sin can destroy friendships. Distance and time and circumstance can destroy, it can kind of take what is very close to you and kind of slowly but surely, eventually they're not the friend that they used to be just because they can't be. Have you got trusted friends that will build you, challenge you, strengthen you, protect you, add value to your life? That will laugh with you and cry with you, be fun and be serious with you, pray with you and prank you, That's friends. And I think one of the reasons or more of the reasons why I think it's difficult for pastors to have friends is you need emotional energy for friendship. And what happens is, is we spend all our emotional energy into church, into the fans, into the foes, and we neglect our friendships. And we build friendships on mission, which is amazing, and we go and we partner with things around the world. Have we got friends? And at, as, as a couple, I, I've got some friends, but actually, do we have friends? Heather and Stan have friends. As a couple, do you have friends? That when I'm acting like a Charlie, my friends can come and say, hey, Charlie, stop it. Do we have friends? We also need time for friends. You see, these kinds of friends need time. It's investment. It's, it's not just receiving, it's giving. And so what happens is because time is short in ministry and because time is short in pastoral care and it's preaching and it's pastoring and it's leading and it's nations and it's all these things, we neglect our time for friends. That's why we put it in the diary. At the beginning of the year, we put those two weekends in the diary. And with the, all the friends and all the family, the families come, the kids come, and we have an absolute joy together. And there's no boss, there's no, we just, we wake up in the morning, what are we going to do? I don't know, don't ask me, dude. Let's do something together. And we have fun together, we bright together, we do all those sort of things of t- together. 
Can I also say this? We need friends that are very like you and friends that are very unlike you. You see, friend doesn't find its commonality. A true friend, the biblical friend, doesn't find its commonality with what you do. It's with who you are and with who they are. There's a connection there. It's like, and how often have you thought when people come into the life of the church or you bring somebody onto eldership and you think, I think they could be a real friend. And then they don't. I'm the only one that's ever done that. Eh? You thought, now this couple, actually, I think we could build with them. I think, I think this is one for the inside. And it's not. But we've got to keep finding those friends. Those friends that will be those true friends. For the health of the church and the health of our own lives. We need friends from different contexts. In your context, outside your context, on your eldership team, off your eldership team. We just need friends that will add value to our lives. Friends, good friends are a rare gift. And we've got to treasure our friendships. We've got to put time into those friendships. We've got to put emotional energy into those friendships. When they're in trouble, we've got to be there at 2 o'clock in the morning. Not just there for the sheep, but there for our friends as well. Let me end with this. A good friend, I think this is a Tim Keller quote, a good friend always lets you in and never lets you down. A good friend always lets you in but never lets you down. Have we got friends? And it's an incredible thing what having Friends that have Jesus in common does to your friendship. It deepens your friendship. It quickens your friendship. It, it puts something into your friendship that no, you kind of, it just takes you to a depth that you've never had before. That's what Jesus does. And that's because Jesus is both of our friends, and now we're friends with the friend guy, Jesus. Wise people are good at choosing forging and keeping friends the marks of a true friend are constant careful honest and wise when you are liberated to be the great friend you need to be by the great friendship of Jesus on the cross then you will find yourself getting paradoxically all the friends your heart desires says Tim Keller I think I'm going to end there I want to ask us if we haven't got good friends we need to ask Jesus for good friends those, this kind of friend, one, friends that will let you in but won't let you down, that you can be that kind of person as well. In Jesus' name, amen. It's a great word, eh? I, I'm standing up. Now, I've never been there. I've done other things. Um, tell us what you do. I mean, some guys are thinking, what's a hole in a wall? It's like mm. if you find a wall somewhere that's broken. <laughs> yeah. So what... What is that? What do you do? And how do guys get involved with that? So I'm on the back end of a whole history with, at Hole in the Wall. Manny Pereira, who's passed away now, used to take, he's got a cottage there, and he used to take 16 church leaders there once a year, just hang with him for a week. And just chill, like no agenda whatsoever. 
if you want to sleep, you sleep. If you want to fish, you fish. If you want to talk, you talk. And he used to kind of father and input into them. I mean, Brent and the guys know more than me now, but I'm kind of, this is what I've caught up on. And slowly that thing's grown and grown, and then eventually Manny passed away, and then Bruce McAlpine, Brent, and a whole bunch of guys have continued this thing to the point where there was like 50 or 60 there at one time. And then, I mean, that's like my worst nightmare come true, to be honest. 50 or 60, I like just, I'm a bit of an introvert dude, you know. But, um, but they have these times, and it's phenomenal because it's friendship. It's, it's, it's the matrix for friendship. It's not friendship. It's, it's the opportunity to create friendship. It's a, it's a basis to start building friendship. And, um, and then what happened is they started doing it with a smaller group. So it was just guys. Those were kind of all leaders and, and elders and all sorts could go to that time. And then, um, and then they did a smaller time where it was just guys that, that led churches that went away. And I went on two of those. And it was absolutely phenomenal to see the quality of people that we were in relationship with. To, and then you're sitting and you're talking. I, met, I mean, I'm, we, we're ministering at, at, with Brian and, and Amy this weekend. And I met Brian and Amy. I knew who Brian and Amy were, but we had conversations at Hole in the Wall when I was there, I think a year ago or the year before that. So it's just, it's, it's this relational heart where you can start to build friendships, you can build partnerships. It doesn't matter mean that everybody at Hole in the Wall is going to be this kind of friend to you, but you're building relationally, you're building friendship, you're building, you're building something that you're going to do together, and it's an incredible, incredible blessing. Yeah, so it's it about stirred a week, my heart. A, a week. week. It's a week. Seven days you kind of miss. Some guys go a bit shorter. But generally, I mean, it's a long way down there. Hole in the wall is like a piece of rock that's got a hole in it yeah. that the sea goes through. So it's a beach cottage. It's a beach right, cottage, a like beach on cottage. the Transcar. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah Transcar coast. Yeah, and, you, and there's no agenda. You're just hooking with guys that are in partnership with us. If you go with Brent and Brent's there, you go on about a 30,000K hike once of the week, once a week. Yeah. So, so <laughs> if you're sitting here today, and, and uh, blokes only, eh? Yeah, it's just guys, yeah. yeah just yeah, guys. Yeah. And uh, if the guy sitting here said, yeah, I really long to go on, I think I get to come talk to you. Come talk to me. Come talk to Brent. Come and talk, yeah. yeah. We so can Brent, he, put you. he spoke earlier yeah, about yeah. Pakistan. That's fantastic, man. Now, um, tell me something. These friends that you go away with twice a year, Yeah. what do your other elders feel like that don't get invited <laughs> about your little close group that goes away? You don't care? No. Okay. <laughs> no. Yeah, you know, Grant, I mean, I, it's been a wrestle this for me. Eh? So I came onto eldership when Raw was leading the church. And Rory and Mel were one of our very, very close friends. And so, I mean, even on the eldership team, not everybody had the same relationship with the lead guy. So, and then they get jealous and whatever. But actually, you know what? That lead guy needs those close friends. And um, I'm, I hope that I'm not going to be that guy that says, I mean, this is unfair, there's like a closed group when it doesn't happen to me, you know, that kind of thing. But, but the reality is you understand that you need that, and it's, and it's difficult, so even then. But what's happened now as we've moved into the eldership team that we've got now, Paul and Beth are still there, so they, they are very close friends of ours. But not all of those guys are these kinds of friends. But I need these kinds of friends for my sanity, I need to actually go and let my hair down, have a glass of wine, and sit around a fire and talk nonsense. That's me. That's my, I'm an introvert, so I'm not pleased. I'm not this like, Heather's that. If you want that, that's Heather. 
I just need mates that I can hang with and just have fun. And the kids can have fun and we can so, do so what we do. I mean, obviously these friends are going away, but they, their wives are friends with Ed. Yeah, I don't know. It's like God has put us together. The one couple is at one city that used to be at Glenridge. Um, three of the, the, one, the, the one guy, I get emotional thinking of him. I think I've run with him for 20 years. He walked away from the church, hated the church, just disengaged from the church, and we still kept running because we were friends. And he used to tune me, and I used to tune him, and we used to have these sparring things on the run. But 20 years later, we're still running. Wow. And I just thank God for that man. He, he honestly, he can tell me if I'm being a chop, and, and I listen to him. He knows me. And... Beautiful. God's put other people into that space with us. Just one couple, kind of, we connected hearts so quickly when they joined the church. They were on eldership in another church, and they understand the space that we live in. And so they've been really good friends to us. And we've kind of, and, and what's amazing is the wives have connected. I don't know how, it's, God has put it together. The wives have connected, the kids are connected, the kids love being together. And so, um, yeah, it's just a very special, so, so for sacred someone who's, moment. who's pretty alone in ministry, it's quite a big jump yeah. to go to what you've no, got. Sure. Because, I mean, that's a lifetime yes. that you've developed with these guys. What would you say to someone who's sitting here today saying, look, I'm pretty alone. I think I've got functional relationships around me. Yeah. What were the first few steps that you would recommend to someone who said that to you? Ask God for friends, number one. Jesus is your friend, and he knows the kinds of friends you need. So if we, if we do this by the Spirit of God, God will slowly bring us into friends. Give yourself into relational moments. In the church, hole in the wall times, outside the church, which is kind of, that would be for me, outside of the church. Give yourself to the missional relationships, the partnership relationships. But ex- allow yourselves... One of the couples sitting here came and said to us the other, a month or two ago, he said, we've got no friends. And so I thought, actually, you know what? And their, their church is turning 25 next year. And they said, yeah. I said, cheapest 25, dude, that's amazing. That's what I put it in my diary on the 25th next year. I don't care what I'm doing. We're going to be up there celebrating 25 years. Are they really good friends of ours now? No. But I want to kind of be the friend to them that they don't have yet. And trust that God will add them. And I think when we start connecting with people, God adds people to us that we need. And I don't think it's a formula. I don't think it's a recipe. You can't say, Grant, you know what? I really want to be your friend. Let's be friends. I did that when I was in grade one. Yeah. Grade two. My one mate, I said, mate, should we be friends? I haven't got a friend. He said yes. And we were friends right through school. I mean, it was quite funny. But number one, Grant's got friends. He's got friends and he's got work to do. Like, I can't be that guy and I can't be upset with him because he's not that guy to me. I thought you said this was friendship before function, not just function. Can I just say this, Grant? So now I'm preaching now. That, that thing of friendship before function, not just function. Please understand when that value was brought into being. That value was brought into being when, when churches were coming out of denominations and did not understand relationship. Everything was functional. So there was no relational heart to anything people did. And so the, 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 the value was, guys, this can't just be function. It must be relationship. It must be friendship. But can I say we're not going to be friends with everybody? We can't be. 
It's impossible. Only Jesus can be that friend to everybody. Only because he's God. We can't. And he sits at the right hand of the Father with the Holy Spirit. So um, I just think it's prayer. It's, it's intentionally saying, God, I need friends. And then opening our eyes to the, and giving yourself, stepping out of the boat and seeing whether those people could be your friend or whether they would want you as a friend even, you know. So I don't, there's no recipe to it. But so, Stan, let me go to the one thing that you mentioned in terms of the message, yes. the stuff you talk about. Because uh, a bloke's are notorious for hanging in the superficial, yes. maybe ideological, maybe functional space. But to get down to an emotional connection, uh, we know how to stay away from that. I'm intrigued, though, when you listen to Paul, how tenderly yes. he speaks about his friends. Yes. And how he says that he dearly loves them and he yes. misses them and yes. he longs to be with them. And, yes. and, and Paul's a tough oak. Yes. So talk to us about the skill on, on conveying the message. Because I think sometimes love undeclared uh, yeah. you know, is, the, is one of the big obstacles with love. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think it is a skill that you've got to master. But I think when we start to live a vulnerable, tender-hearted life, where the fences do come down, I think it almost becomes a, a natural fruit of that because... I mean, I've got friends that I talk to and they're kind of church friends and, they, and we're in their homes, but they're, kind of, they're, not, they're not that this quality of friend that I'm talking about. And it's, and it's more difficult to find that connection. But in one way, it's more difficult. In another way, it's easier because it's kind of disconnected from your emotions so you can speak into their lives. It's, it's pastoral counsel. It's, it's those sorts of things. But I think the kind of, the kind of friendship where you're able to go deep where the bridge is being set in place over years, is, is one has to be intentionally built because you kind of need to be... be de- and you need to be... I think, I think, put it this... I'm thinking on the, on the fly here. You know, when I'm running with my mate, I don't wait for him to ask me questions. I tell him how I'm feeling. I've had a tough week. Just this thing, this thing. And actually, I've used names and I... And kind of he knows the people, and, it's, and it's a, it's, he knows that he's got to be confidential with what I say. And he's had 20 years of doing that, so it's, it's fine. But I think if we don't initiate that and, and, and allow people into that with the, with the threat of this and this might not go well, when we're vulnerable like that and we're extending ourselves like that in love, I think the, the plumb line goes deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, so for me, I think, I think it's something like that, Grant. I don't even know if I've answered yeah. the question. But, but you've, you've gone a long way today in taking, taking us to that point of saying we've got to pay attention to this. Yes. Because I think you know, friendships die with neglect. And, um, you, you know, I think that and two other things just quickly. And then I'm going to actually ask Stan if you could just pray for us. But sure. I mean, you said pray for friends. Um, Two things. One is that I can remember when I was in my early 30s, I'd only met Dudley Daniel personally, had a personal chat to him maybe twice in my life where I sat down over a meal and had a meal with him. So I only had done that twice. And it, it was actually at functions, it was at events. And I remember in the old days we used to get faxes. Remember the faxes? So a fax came across my desk once and it came from Adelaide. Dzzz, 
came out there. And as it ended off, he said, I love you dearly. No one had ever said that to me yeah. in a formal fax before. And I thought, how can this guy love me dearly? He's only like met me twice. I love you dearly. And it's, it's stuck like 30 years later. I'm still, it's like, and actually I got to believe it actually. <laughs> he could have ended it regards. He could have ended it God bless. And he would tell you, he's not the most relational, biggest relational giant in the world. But a devotion to, and a commitment to, to express exactly. care. Very good. And express that. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I also think knowing that relationships can be neglected and they can die, I think there's some relationships, need maybe to. you could talk about that, we need to kill mm. with neglect maybe. Yeah. Maybe talk about that just before you pray for yeah. us. Because I think those sort of friendships sometimes crowd out your emotional space yeah. for the ones you should be having. Yeah. Anyway. So I think my answer to that would be those aren't real friends. <laughs> those are, those are um, counterfeit friends. That, and those friends, if you feel drained from being with somebody and every time you see their name come up on the phone or you think, you're thinking, oh, uh, not friend. Not friend. That's not, that's not the friend I'm talking about here. I'm not talk this is the friend, not the friend that takes, helps you take care of your soul. That's a friend that's going to drain. That's somebody, that's an acquaintance or a companion that's going to drain you. And we've got to be careful that what happens in ministry is we get lots of those. You can have lots of foes. You can have lots of fake friends. Um, you cannot have lots of insensitive friends. But true friends, and what happens is we got to give all our time to that and it drains us, rather than being in a space where we give ourselves to the friends that are going to refresh us and we're going to have fun with. And I think, I think that's, my, that's my plea, that simple thing this morning is, do we have some of those people in our lives? And if not, are we developing some of those people in our lives that our lives don't get consumed with this other group that actually are not yeah. helpful for us and so actively make some space actually actively yeah. put it in your diary you've got to put time away this friendship needs time friendship needs energy friendship needs commitment friendship needs long term so unless you intentionally putting that in place and realizing i need this god who is it um you will never get there it's amazing today, hey, so we kick off looking at open doors, the prophetic words that came, multiple came, doors still standing, a jar there for us to look at. But for us to continue going through these doors for decades after decades after decades, we need these friends. Let's stand together as we close. Thank you, Stan, for hosting us today and for the food that I can see on the table we're about to eat. Are you